This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Evelyn on from Nucleus Research, and we'll be talking about the 2022 HCM Technology Value Matrix. And because it's a research company, uh, and I've run a research company, I can't wait to talk to uh, Evelyn. So Evelyn, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Nucleus Research? Absolutely. It's great to be back, by the way. Thank you for having me. Sure. So I am a research manager at Nucleus Research. We are a tech analyst firm, except instead of focusing on the technology itself, we focus more on the financial value that it delivers to organizations using it. Thank God somebody's doing it. Right. So (laughs) much needed. Much, much, much needed. So when we when we sought out uh, and to do the 2022 HCM Technology Value Matrix, which I would assume started the research started probably uh, in 21. What were we trying to achieve? What was the what's the what was the goal of the research? Yeah. So the Value Matrix is an annual report that we mm-hmm. do. Uh, we do one for every space that we cover. So it's kind of like a buyer's guide where we assess Mm -hmm. prominent vendors in each space on usability and functionality. So of course, functionality is, you know, what what products they have, what kind of features they have. And then the usability we assess based on end user conversations. So there are four quadrants, leaders, experts, facilitators, and core providers. Uh, We like to say there is no bad quadrant. So for example, a facilitator would have high usability, maybe a little bit less functionality, but would be really great for an SMB that don't want to pay for functionality they're not using. It's also very easy to adopt. Um, Whereas an expert would have more functionality that a larger organization might need. And they would have, you know, the necessary IT resources to be able to drive value from it. So it would work out for them. There are no bad quadrants, but as I know, because I've dealt with the technology vendors for 25 years, they all want to be leaders. They do. This is true. (laughs) But I I say it's good to be in the other quadrants because, you know, you meet a certain need. Yeah. And again, to your point about the SMBs, you don't need all of them. You're not going to, even if you had access to all of those features, you're not going to use them. Exactly. It's just going to be wasted features. So, uh, so you don't need those things. So I can see where you get the functionality is just, uh, I say just, I should never say that. It's an <laughs> anal- <laughs> it's analysis on the functionality and you're looking at apples to apples, to apples, to apples, to apples of what they yes. actually provide. Usability yes. is a bit more uh, detective work there because you're going past the buyers and into the actual users and what their, uh, what their usage, what they see, what they feel, how they use the technology, et cetera. Um, right. So take take us into both sides of that because people, I'm sure, will be fascinated to understand kind of how you look at functionality, uh, and yeah. then we'll deal with the the usability second. Yeah. So, like you said, it is an apples to apples comparison for the functionality part of the value matrix uh, process. So, 
you know, conducting vendor briefings, looking at their website, um, just taking stock of what they've been up to, maybe what their roadmap is going forward. That's also something we take into consideration. Whereas usability is a little bit, um, like you said, detective work, uh, setting up calls with end users, asking them, you know, what they were using before. Surprisingly, a lot of it is, you know, going from manual to yeah. a solution. So it's always a pretty positive response. Uh, maybe if there were other vendors that they looked at, why they chose the one that they went with, and then, you know, ask them what the main benefits were of using the system, maybe any KPIs they were tracking, uh, things like that. So just, just seeing what the value is from an end user perspective, because these are the people that are using the product day to day. Right. So the difference between, so first on the, on the usability side, so functionality, I think uh, the audience probably understands how you, how you go about that process. Right. Uh, with usability, you've got two things that, that you noted, I believe. One is what's being displaced. So yes. I've, I've argued for a long time that Microsoft Office is the largest HR tech vendor in the world, uh, which <laughs> of course no one wants to hear, but right. I still believe it's true. Um, I, I so, also do. <laughs> So what's, agree with you there. so what's being displaced could be post-it notes, could be another technology or whatever. Um, right. And then the other is, is uh, the, the bifurcation between users and buyers. So sometimes they're the same. Yep. And oftentimes they're not. Uh, there's uh, people that buy the technology, let's say, especially larger companies, uh, people that buy or even a committee buy that buys the technology. And then you've got this other class of folks that, are in it every day. Payroll is a great example of this um, is, you know, you'll have someone that buys payroll and then there's payroll clerks that are in it every, every, every hour of every day. Um, do you, tr do you try to talk to, so on the, on the displaced, are you trying to dig in to find out what's being displaced and where and how and why? And then the second part with the, uh, with the users versus buyers uh, that might be a false that might be a false construct, but I'm, I'm just curious as to kind of how you uh, dig into and learn from both buyers that buy the technology, but also users that use the technology. Right. So we have, you know, a healthy mix of buyers and end users. And there is obviously sometimes going to be overlap where um, there's a one person payroll team that, right. <laughs> you know, implemented the software, <laughs> selected it and is then using it every day. Yeah. Um, I would say talking to someone who is both an end user and was part of the selection process is very valuable just because, you know, they remember what they were using before. They remember why they didn't like it and they wanted to move on to a new solution. Um, they were part of the process in selecting a vendor. So it's going through the whole RFP and are the ones that are able to speak to the value that they're driving from it. Oh, but the that. end user perspective is also very valuable because, I mean, some of them have been on long enough to be able to kind of find the delta between how they, you know, <laughs> what was good and what was bad about the old system and mm -hmm. how they are able to use the new system to drive further value. I love that. I love it. And then again, it, different insight for different people. Definitely. Uh, it's, it's always very interesting. So I love it. That's the best part of the value matrix process for me. I 100%. I, I love talking to, because people that buy uh, and they're buying for a large organization, let's say, 
they might be distant from the software, but they, you know, they know how to buy and they understand the questions to ask and all that, the evaluation process, et cetera. Right. Um, so I love kind of their take on things, but if, if you can ever talk to somebody that's in the software every day yeah. and get their take on like, what do you like? You know, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you, what if you could change anything, magic wand, you know, that type of stuff. It's just, there's always great conversations that come there. Um, right. So findings, let's talk a little bit about what you learned with this particular, this, this part of the annual report. Let's, what did, what did you learn this year that maybe was different from last year? I think that, you know, the past three years are a blur, a momentous mm-hmm. blur, but a blur nonetheless. <laughs> Uh, I think now it's it's just really investments in catching up with the other players in the space. I feel like there are a lot of full suite providers and they're trying to help their customers kind of adapt to what has become just an ever-changing environment. So I, I can talk a little bit about, I mean, yeah. I'm sure we'll get to the great resignation. I know it's on everyone's minds. Let's, let's do it. Let's just go straight there. Sure. So that's definitely the number one trend that's driving investment right now. Um, I do like the concept of the great reshuffle a little bit more. It seems a little less like your employees are just disappearing into the void. Because, of course, you know, some people are retiring <laughs> early. I, I have to admit, Evelyn, I saw yesterday, uh, it was Fairy God Boss that put this out on a tweet, is mm-hmm. the resignation letter. They literally put out a tweet that says, here's your resignation letter. And it was like a sniglets. It was like you fill in the blank. No, uh, Mad Libs. Like you just oh fill my in gosh. the. No, I'm serious. You can go look at their Twitter account, and it's and literally here's job. here's your here's your resignation letter. And uh, I, I thought it's. I mean, it was fascinating on one level and terrifying on another. Right. Uh, but but uh, but yeah, um, reshuffle resignation. The idea is that there's a lot of ways to tackle this. If it's engagement, right. if it's comp, is it internal mobility? Is it, is it retention? What are some of the, the tentacles that y'all are seeing that kind of, whether or not it's reshuffle or, or resignation, how do we yeah. shore it up? How do we fix it? Sure. So of course that's where the tech comes in because now employers right. have to get more creative. Um, so I would say offering competitive benefits, uh, mm-hmm. I think having a compensation management solution, making sure that you are offering competitive pay. Uh, for hourly workers, we see a lot of on-demand pay, which is becoming more and more mm-hmm. ubiquitous. We actually ran a survey of hourly workers and 70% of them said that they would leave a current job for one that offered on-demand pay. So I see that being a much larger trend going forward. Um, let's see, in terms of recruiting, I think rethinking talent acquisition strategy, I don't think taking an inbound approach is as successful as it might've been a couple of years ago. I think now that you really need to go for the candidates that you know you want, you know, instead of just waiting for them to magically appear. So outbound recruiting has definitely been an interesting thing. Uh, I know Hire Easy now has a platform that is entirely dedicated to outbound recruiting mm-hmm. so with with benefits let me go backwards for a second the, the sure. offers uh and offering something that's both competitive because you know this 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 data has been trapped historically and benefits management benefits comp and benefits team comps yep. you know over on one side of the office and and recruitings on the other uh how do how have you seen uh technologies uh or companies address how do you how do you bring those things closer together? So how do you right size the right benefits, which is one thing, the right comp, 
whether or not that's, that's above market or at market or below market, let's just say But you know, and then how do you get it into the recruiter's hands? Have you seen kind of a shift of those things moving the, those things moving together or technologies pulling those things together? I think technology is definitely eliminating, you know, these silos that have historically been between these two departments, because now the comp is really coming into recruiting because you're looking at recruiting as more sales, mm-hmm. right? You're selling a job. So, you know, they need access to that information. I think that the way that the technology market is moving is really bringing those things closer together. I love that. I love that. And then with recruiting, uh, as you said, more of an outbound, more of an aggressive kind of stance. Uh, you're going to, uh, the days of posting a job on Indeed and getting 10,000 people to apply. Okay. Right. That might not happen. All right. So exactly. now what? Smarty Prince, what do we do? <laughs> what, what, what do we do now? And, and I think you're right. I, I, I've seen some of the same moves uh, with Hire Z, but also with others who just saying, okay, we can't, we can't leave it to chance. We have to be. It, more it's aggressive. not viable anymore, right? right? Because you know things have been so uncertain. It's and there's it's never been a better time to find passive candidates. Although and, you know talent shortage, it's more of a shortage of willing talent. I'll say. Right. <laughs> you can find them. <laughs> yes, you can. You just have to go searching for them. It's it's not like a you know um, set it and forget it type of approach. Yes. Yes. What we used to call post and pray. Um, so, so what other, what are the findings? Did you see anything in in, internal mobility or in, uh, learning paths or upskilling or other types of things? Yeah. So we've seen, of course, that one of the largest reasons that employees are quitting their jobs is because they see it as a dead end. You know, they Mm -hmm. don't see any opportunity for advancement. So talent management, of course, I think has taken a bit of a backseat to talent acquisition just because talent acquisition has been so big over the past 18 months. But, um, you know, being able to upskill, reskill, promote, and really empower existing employees that are a value add and a culture add is critical. I love that. What were you shocked? We'll go to the other side of this. What were you shocked by, or shocked by heavy language, but Whenever you do a report like this, you, you know, whenever you do major research like you do like the, with something like this, you're always kind of look at the data at one point and go, huh, <laughs> what? Right. What, why is that there? So if you had one of those, what, what, what was some of that? Um, you know, I'd say that I was shocked that I wasn't shocked. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe an area that people haven't been paying as much attention to is the importance of having, you know, a strong payroll solution Mm -hmm. because when you're hiring remotely of course you need to make sure that you are maintaining compliance with the payroll taxes and the states that you now all of a sudden have employees so i think that's been an oversight but no i don't think anything has really shocked me which is shocking which is shocking in and of itself did uh has anything lost its uh i say prominence but some of it would say some people would say fad you know yeah couple of years ago we would have talked about DEI and in a way of like you have to do this you have to you, know, right. you, you have to if you're not doing the pay transparency or pay equity if you're not mm-hmm. doing this you're just not going to get these folks did right. you have you seen anything kind of lost lose uh, some of its luster I think it's only gained traction but I think mm-hmm. we are still in that era where you know it's something that some people just think you need to do but i mean job seekers can sense that from miles away you need to actually 
what is the, <laughs> the phrase talk about it and be about it right right i was, I was about to, i was about to ask you that talking about one thing but right. you're you're in the mix on the buy side to, to mm-hmm. you know you get to see what people are actually buying so right. do you see a separation and not just with those things but other stuff as well do you see a separation between talk and action um I would say I'm, I'm sure that there is still a lot of, you know, buying for optics or, mm-hmm. you know, selecting this because someone said that's what you need to do. On the end user side, I haven't heard too much of that. Um, that's actually very interesting because DEI does not come up a lot in my customer conversations. But of course, you know, I'm talking to people that are doing payroll and um, just core HR for the most part, especially in HCM. I know when we get to the talent acquisition value matrix, which will be later this year, we'll be having a lot more of those conversations around specific, um, you know, hiring, recruiting, retention efforts. It's it's interesting that you mentioned the kind of the, 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 what we call pay on demand. Uh, And you mentioned it in the context of hourly. Uh, I'm also seeing, and I wonder to just get your take. I'm seeing that also in the professional which, which I would have never guessed. Like it kind of makes sense yeah. uh, as an Uber driver or as someone that's working at an end of a shift of a restaurant, you want to tab out. Okay. Absolutely. Makes sense. Uh, but I, I'm starting to see with like accountants and consultants and people in yeah. professional services that like, okay, end of the day, tab out, you know, I know. are you seeing some of the same stuff? I am actually a colleague of mine, um, you know, wrote a bit about PayActive, which is, you know, one of Mm -hmm. the largest on-demand pay providers. Um, And some of the customers that he ended up talking to were not ones that we expected. So like you said, people in finance, uh, people in, you know, other salaried industries. So I think I definitely will see on-demand pay kind of creeping its way into um, a much broader range of companies. Which is fascinating. I mean, on, I on so many levels from an engagement retention perspective, uh, yeah. and especially if you can do it, uh, uh, why not do it? I mean, if, if, well, the te- exactly. if the technology is there. All the benefits. And on-demand pay is super simple to implement. Um, you know, for the company, it really doesn't affect their bottom line because at least with PayActive, I know it acts as um, a no interest loan that they just pay back once they go through the payroll process. And then on the user side, I think they pay a small fee if they transfer to their bank account, but it doesn't exceed $5. And I know a lot of people are very familiar with that using, you know, money transfer apps mm-hmm. like Cash App and Venmo. So you mentioned benefits a second ago. I want to get your take on uh, any movement you've seen there in terms of mental health or wellness or well-being or kind of anything that you've seen coming coming out of the. You know, we're yeah. still technically in COVID. Okay, got I it. Know. <laughs> I know. I never... see post COVID. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that one. Uh, it's but... like it's like post breathing air. Uh, yeah. yeah. So flexibility is like a benefit that you don't even need technology for. It's I think that the pandemic really redefined the work-life balance. And this is now an expectation of job seekers. It's, you know, I want to be able to take vacation. I want to be able to take mental health days. Um, I just want the flexibility to be able to live my life and be able to bring my best self to this job. I've seen the, I've seen this kind of radical flexibility of people just being able to, you know, again, 
if you want to work four days, you can work four days. You know, it's outcome based. Uh, yeah. Uh, and and mental health, the ramp up around mental health is probably a long time coming. Of mm. course, I think COVID ramp, ramped that up. Uh, but also, you know, the work life balance. I've seen a lot of folks move their language to work life integration. Like, oh, in, I like that. you know, like uh, okay, you're not going to balance the two. You know, your cats are going to be in the background. Kids are going to walk in on calls. Okay, so. Yep. So it's more of an integration uh, than than uh, than basically separating the two and, and balancing somehow mystically balancing the two. Right. So when you when you get done with a, a report like this, major research like this, mm-hmm. what what do you what's the what's what is nucleus? What do you what do you do to get it in the hands of people that need it? Um, so every customer that we talk to, we offer to send them a copy of the report. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I talked to a customer once that, um, I had never been introduced to, but he had talked to Nucleus in the past and that's why he ended up choosing a certain vendor. So that was definitely gratifying. Um, <laughs> uh, we have LinkedIn, we share it to LinkedIn. We put out a press release and hope that it falls in the hands of the right people that need it. And so, because you have, you have both sides, you have vendors that I would assume are clients and practitioners that are clients. And so you can get it out. uh, You can get it out in the hands of all of those that need it. The vendors need it to be able to understand kind of where they're at and where they're, you know, where they're going and kind of, you know, who's also in, you know, in kind of a relative space Uh, and the practitioners need it as a, as a buying guide. They do. Yes. I see that we have more circulation on the vendor side as far mm-hmm. as, you know, sharing it, of course, it gets in the hands of these sales teams and right. a lot of engagement there. But um, no, I would love to see more engagement on the end user side and on the practitioner side, because I think that's what, you know, that's the purpose of it. That's where, you know, they're getting the most value from it more than the vendors do, I assume. So last question uh and it's 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 for practitioners um advice that you give and this is based on the matrix uh, of this last research but also just just in general mm-hmm. advice you give them in terms of when they're buying or evaluating and then ultimately buying software what's your best advice to them that's a great question um i would say right now in the current you know work climate that we are uncertain is a word that we've heard all too often these past Mm -hmm. few years. Um, I would say if it's taught us anything, it's to expect the unexpected. And I know I see that a lot in product investment on the vendor side. I think on the practitioner side, you, you need to, I mean, obviously not think about what you're going to need because you don't know, but um, try to stay on top of, using the most modern technology that you can, you know, I, something that I was going to mention earlier, but totally overlooked was the people analytics. Um, So things like that, where, you know, organizations have had this wealth of data that they haven't really been able to use, especially in HR, because you used to need a team of data scientists. Now it's, you know, kind of making its way down market and, you know, organizations are able to use it. Yeah. What's great about Um, that is it gives you insight. And that insight you can then turn into recommendations or actions, et cetera. So you can, it's, it's, it was harder before because they were trapped. The day was trapped in these disparate systems. And now it's less trapped. There's still some trapped, but less trapped. And then you can do something with the data. Right. It's, it's so wonderful that, you know, 
now HR people are able to use this data that's been there and will help them, you know, not predict for sure, but, you know, prepare for the unexpected once again. At least have some, at least have some insight. Whereas, you know, we were blindsided by so many things before that, that right. now with data, we don't necessarily have to be blindsided by. So right. Evelyn, and I could talk to you forever and every call, <laughs> I feel the same, the same way. So thank you so much for carving out time and thanks for of the course. research and the, the, the work that you do. A, B, thanks for just, just coming on the show and, uh, and just waxing philosophical and breaking down things for us. Wonderful. Thank you so much, William. Absolutely. Thanks again for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruiting.